to a market check if we would just have kept having the conversation we just had. Yeah. And then you get to go back and you just throw throw whatever our audio is over it. But you might yeah. as well get into it now. I'd love to hear those three little words, Nick. Cool. Yo, 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 and welcome <laughs> back to another freaking episode of the Nick and Griff Show. Griff, I'm excited to be jumping on here with you for the second time this week. How did your week finish up? I know we, the last time we talked was Thursday, so it's not been that long since we talked, so... No, that was the busiest day of the week for me, but it went well yesterday. Yesterday was cool. Um, how, was your dinner, how was your dinner on Thursday night? Oh, it was good. I have a good relationship with that doctor, and he actually uses a lot of my company's product. And you know what's very interesting is I sell the highest quality product there is from in my, in my space, clinically speaking. Yeah. Um, so a lot of this stuff is really fun because you're, like, trying to sort out how to heal give a wound he was a wound doctor for example you're trying to like go through some of his patients and go like hmm well maybe this will work or maybe that'll work um and it's kind of fun you know because like you're really trying to heal people it's a very rewarding experience when somebody actually gets healed out so definitely um, yeah it was good though it was good nick how was your week after hosting the whole bitcoin tulsa meetup you know kind of hosting the whole dennis porter thing which that episode will come out probably to everybody soon that is uh, that is uh, that is already uploaded and it is actually live as of right now. It's nine oh one a.m. and that sucker is up. Oh, wonderful! Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. How was your How was your week though? Besides that, dude, it was uh, it was a killer week, man. I've really been stacking wins um, on a weekly basis, um, and I'm doing that by stacking wins on a daily basis, and I'm doing that by stacking wins on a phase of the day basis. I don't know. Have I ever told you the phases of the day that I break the day into? I think you've kind of told me before but i think it'd be good content for the podcast so i think you should let everybody know so i've been uh i've been working with a coach for about a year and a half now um and and i would highly advise go find somebody that you want to be more like and and pay them to hold you accountable to the things that you know that you need to do um ideally it's somebody that's already got some type of structure together right but highly advise doing that Uh, but through working with him um, I've, I've got my day split up into three main phases. So phase one is like the, the, the quiet time, the time in the morning that I've got alone to, to reflect on myself and my mindset and what I'm approaching. Um, that for me is, is getting in the Bible. Um, I write in my, uh, in my journal every single day, and then I read a personal development uh, chapter every single day. Um, so that allows me to set my focus, which allows me to activate the authority in what I'm setting my focus for. Um, it also allows me to stack the wins early in the morning so that by the time I get to the office at, you know, 7.15, 7.30, I've already, I've already primed my mind to go in and be ready to attack whatever I'm attacking that day. And then phase two, I'm just, again, continuing to roll that momentum through the phase two of the day, which is the money-making hours of the day, right? For me, that's pretty standard. It's like 7.15, 7.30 to about four o'clock in the afternoon. Um, so, uh, for me, that's a lot of, you know, sending, sending emails, um, talking with subcontractors, talking with potential clients, talking with current clients, um, a lot of that kind of stuff. Um, and then in the afternoons, uh, phase three is kind of friends and family time. Uh, Janae and I actually go to the gym together and we wrap in kind of our gym time together. Um, so we go hit the gym uh, four times a week and, uh, and we, then we come home. We're actually doing meal preps for all of our meals. Um, which makes things way more efficient. So we get home at about, you know, 545, 6, 
and um, and we've we've got dinner ready in like 10, 15 minutes, and then we've got the whole afternoon to kind of hang out. Whether we're going to have dinner with the family, or we're going to hang out with friends, or we're just going to hang out together. So, man, it's been uh, it's been a killer last probably two, three months of really, really feeling that momentum uh, stack. Yeah, I feel that actually. I don't know why I set like New Year's goals and then it seems like I'm really starting to like pick up on them like mid-year. But it's because I have, and I think this is a good mentality, the same thing with Bitcoin. When you're just stacking and you think like the price is too high for you or you don't have the right money at the right time, you just got to consistently continue like DCAing into it and eventually you'll have more than you think. Yeah. I never give up on like if I set a goal, like it doesn't leave my mind. So if I'm not doing it and I'm five months into a year, I'm like, man, I'm literally like just the most worthless human being. Like, <laughs> it's like, why can't I just tell myself to like do this? And then I go and do it. Yeah. But, uh, I, I, I did the uh, meal prepping for so long. I hate it. I hate it now a little bit in the sense <laughs> that me and Sierra do a lot of bowls. Like last night was a uh, salmon bowl. So we did salmon, Rice is the base, little salmon, edamame, onion, yep. green onion, all kinds of good stuff. You know what I'm saying? A lot of bowl action, which is very similar to the meal prepping because bowls are very easy to make. Like you just boom, bowl. You're like yeah. boom, boom, bowl. And that's like within my intermittent fasting, it's like that's my one meal, you know, or like my big meal for the day. Yeah. And it's been pretty it's been pretty successful. I've actually like I'm trying to lose weight right now and I've kind of plateaued a little bit, but I'm also like working out a lot more. So I think that this diet is definitely more conducive to like, I think I'm just getting big, to be honest with you. Like, I think I'm just like, I'm, I'm definitely like run out, like not in like the worst way either. Just like I've been, I've been in it so long with football that I'm like, damn, I'm not doing what it takes to get lean. I'm just getting big. You know what I'm saying? I'm just getting stronger, which is like cool. But at the same time, not like not what I'm going for now in my adulthood. It's all about longevity, Nick. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's all about, it's all about long lasting. That's what I'm going for. Hey, but. this is this is Bitcoin stuff, right? I mean, you're talking about time preference, about lowering your time preference. Yeah. Um, so so let's let's stay on this topic. What kind of stuff are you doing in the gym to to maintain that longevity and health uh, long term while also uh, capturing the gains uh, in the in the rewards of that today? I would say what I legitimately do consistently right now, and I haven't quit since football, is I continue to do all the hip mobility all the overhead squats, all the functional lifts that aren't real like calorie burners or muscle builders per se, but I'm more flexible than I was than when I played football. Um, I don't have, you know, back problems. I don't have like my, my knee, like I have a torn ACL for the podcast, but that came <laughs> because some NARP hit me while we were playing uh, rec basketball and ruined my rec basketball career. It, it, that will sting me forever. <laughs> But uh, no, I do a lot of the mobility stuff, I think. And I do cardio now because I realize that heart health and, you know, just how vascular you are as a human being is an extremely important thing for longevity. Because of those of you who don't know, there are stem cells. Everybody always talks about stem cells for recovery and things like that. There are stem cells sitting inside your body, but they sit, it sits in your blood mostly. So if you get better blood flow, you're literally like you're getting better healing because you're getting more stem cells to these sites. So being vascular is super important. Being functionally strong, in my opinion, is super important for longevity. Like yeah. most people get back problems or like, you know, knee problems or whatever. And most of that just stems from the fact that they didn't like do some yoga. They didn't stretch <laughs> like they didn't like, you know, they just didn't sit down for two minutes a day and just touch their toes. Like it's not really very difficult stuff, but. 
yeah it's being consistent on this stuff is boring but well, the, the consistency okay. right is is how you're able to stack those uh those long-term gains over time right i mean you do you do you do two minutes of stretching every day for three months. Well, you're probably going to be a lot more limber. You're going to feel a little bit better. Yeah. Uh, but but you can't but you can't do uh, all of whatever two minutes over three months every single day would add up to. Uh, you know you you can't uh, you can't do all that at once and get the same result. It has to be over time, right? Yeah, it's very interesting. I don't know if you feel the same way, but there's a lot of things in my life now that since I've gotten into Bitcoin and I do a lot of my financial plans for like the one year, two year, three year. Like I do a lot of stuff out. <clears throat> I try to build habits that I think I can keep doing forever. I don't try to build habits yeah. anymore that I'm like, oh, this is like, no, don't get me wrong, right? Like, I don't want some routine that I do for the rest of my life. I like life to be very, like, come as it goes. Like, I like to wake up on a Saturday, Sierra, what do you want to do? We're doing whatever. And I'm like, cool, fun. Let's do that. I, I don't want to take that away because life okay. is supposed to be fun. And I feel like sometimes too much routine can get in the way of that. It's an don't get me wrong, though. Being a Terminator is important. You know, there will be. I think you have to realize in life, like it's like a, like a roller coaster. Like you have to take the momentum as it comes. Yep. So maybe when more like more and more momentum is there or I'm ready to make this big push in something else outside of like what I'm currently doing you know, then maybe get extremely Terminator for a few years. But I try to build habits that I can do, you know, on a weekly basis and a daily basis, like Nick says, that I don't know, like I have a, I have this mindset where it's like, I just want to be better than everybody else. Not because I'm better than everybody else, but because I'm doing things that make me better than everybody else. And yeah. there are definitely things in life that are clear cut that it's like, Oh, you're doing good stuff. You know what I'm saying? Like we can, we don't all agree on every single thing that we believe in per se, yeah. Yeah. But we do kind of all believe like, okay, well, do you wake up really early? Do you like, do you like work out? Like, do you volunteer? Like, do you take care of other people? Do you like, are you fun? Are you a really good fiance or a really good boyfriend? Are you a really good son-in-law? Are you, you know what I'm saying? Like, can you yeah. be the best at all these different things? It's all about intentionality, right? Yeah. It's all about want and desire. And like, I am the type of person where I genuinely like want and desire to be I don't know if I want to be the best at everything because I think that's ridiculous, but I think I want to be like, you want to be the best that you can be at everything. Yeah. I want to be really, yeah. really damn good at a lot of stuff. And then there will definitely be a few things I want to be the best at, but like, sure there, but there are things, I don't feel like there's many things in life where you have to be shitty just because you are shitty at it. You know, golf is the only thing that I think like, if you're like 28 years old and you've never played before and you're shitty, it's like, yeah, just accept the fact you might be shitty for a while. There's nothing, there's nothing you're able to do about it but practice, you know? Yeah. But and you can't be afraid to be caught at the scene at the starting line, right? Like everybody, you gotta start right. somewhere. It's kind of like the, the person is fat and out of shape and they're embarrassed to go to the gym. It's like, dude, you you have to go, you have to experience that tough time in order to really understand what the good time feels like, you know, six months or a year or 18 months down the line when you've put in the work, right? It's all about proof of work. See, I think that this is the beautiful part about Bitcoin, right? Bitcoin as a principle is is what we're talking about, right? It's it's not it's not just the the best form of money that we've ever seen. It is a principle. It is this proof of work. It's what you reap or what you sow is what you reap, right? Um, you have to put in the time. You have to earn what you're given, you know. Yeah, and there's also like with Bitcoin, you literally believe in an ideal that society can be a better place with an immutable ledger, which basically means no cheating guys. It means like, it means cut the cheating out. It means stop trying to like find workarounds. It means stop trying to do things the easy way. 
or otherwise you're going to end up just hurting yourself. So when you really actually believe in that and you're like investing a lot of your value or your money or your time right into this Bitcoin, you really do at a certain point, if you keep understanding it, you know, and it means a lot to you, you start adopting its actual principles in your real life. But uh, and that's a good point. But I was going to say this. I wanted to ask you, I was in the gym yesterday. OK, it's an, I just went to our apartment gym. I didn't go to my gym. I just went to the apartment gym. Um, it's, and it's, I mean, it's mm, like in Albany, like if you were to take out all the walls and everything, it was probably like from the kitchen to our room, to my room, like pretty big, substantial gym, but small. And there was a a girl in there and she's just blaring music on her phone. And I was like, whatever, like, I don't like to work out with music. I don't, I mean, like my best workouts come when I just go and like, I just like, all right, I'm here to work out. Like, let's go. And, um, She's playing her music and I walk in there and she like never stops. Like, every, like for the whole 30, 45 minutes I was in there, she just played her music the whole time. Never stopped. I mean, literally never stopped. And the music sucked and it was hella loud. And I was just like, I'm, I mean, like, I'm never going to say anything. Never. I mean, I never would do that. But I'm like, it feels like since I left football, I just run into so many gym noobs and I'm just like, this stinks. I'm like, you guys just have no like courtesy for anybody else. Like, working out and like what that means i don't know if you have that same issue but like there are things now i feel like i feel i feel lame a little bit but i'm just like i cannot stand you turn off like <laughs> like i'm like why can't we all just be happy you know but whatever. you know i think i, I think i think self-awareness is a real big piece on that right like um i know that you know just to be uh blunt and honest you know i've uh over <clears throat> the time that i've reflected in reading in the Bible and writing in my journal of what I'm thinking, what I'm feeling, how I'm responding to the things that are happening in my life. I've found a lot more self-awareness than I've ever had. And with that self-awareness comes awareness of others. And maybe you could call it their lack of self-awareness. And it is kind of interesting, you know, of course, you know, in, in that exact example that you're talking about, Griff, like you and I kind of grew up in a in a weightlifting environment that's very structured, that's very, you have to be aware, like you have to know what's going on, you have to run things uh, intentionally, right? And it's funny, because, you know, there's, there's, you know, the vast majority of people, they don't grow up in that type of an environment, as far as the gym. And so maybe they don't have, you know, but that just seems like a just like a general human self awareness thing, like, hey, we're in the gym and you're blaring music. Maybe this person doesn't like it. Let me at least turn it down a little bit. Or yeah. ask. Or ask. Or ask. Yeah. Hey, you, do you mind if I play music? Yeah. They were there first. Now, don't get me wrong. They were there first, but I'm like, this is a public gym. This isn't a they were there first like type situation. It's like yeah. a, we have to share this space, make the best of it kind of thing. And yeah. honestly, I wouldn't, even if they asked, I would have said, no, keep playing, like whatever. But I was just, I thought it was odd that it was like never even like, a disgusting, but hmm. either way, strange. hey, very, well, proof, very proof of stake, very shit, very coin. proof of stake, yeah, yeah. <laughs> very like very low end, you know. But, well, I was just gonna uh, say on the proof of work end, so I just started reading this morning. Uh, thank God for Bitcoin, the creation, corruption, and redemption of money. And this is written by a plethora of authors, as you can see here on the back, but I believe the main author is Robert Breedlove himself. But on the proof of work side of things. I, dude, I got I got to read a couple of pieces in here, and and there's one main one that I want to get your thoughts on. I really would like to, 
um, expound on here for the rest of the podcast at, at, at some level. So this piece here. So chapter one is titled, let me go back here. It's uh, chapter one, understanding money. So he, he's kind of just getting into the basics of money here, but listen to this. So this is, this is kind of on the, on the concept of proof of work versus proof of stake. Theft equals stealing. The theft or the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. And that's John 10, 10. But it says theft corrupts justice by allowing those that have not contributed to the community to reap its fruits. Work is earning just reward. Uh, work is earning just rewards or value exchanged for value. Theft is an unjust seizure of value and by nature unearned. How about that? <clears throat> I mean, w w these things that we're talking about here uh, are proof of work. They're Bitcoin related. They're proof of work related. You want to be fit? You got to go put in the work at the gym. You want to have uh, you want to have healthy relationships with your spouse or your friends or whoever uh, work relationships, professional and personal relationships. You've got to put in the intentional work to develop and cultivate those good relationships. Um, you know, you want to have, you want your finances to be in order. You've got to put in the work to organize them, to understand what is what, right? What's your thought on that? I think it's a really good, <clears throat> well, I think it's a really good excerpt. And I think it's probably a really great book that I probably need to steal from you after you're done with it. Um, but I agree only because every time that I mess up in life at this point, I go, okay, so like, did I do something wrong? Like, what did, what was my process on this? Like, that's, and that's how I truly am for like so many, it doesn't matter whether it's sales or just like everyday stuff with Sierra or my, like family or anything. I'm always like that now where it's like, man, so like, what was the process to get to that end result, whether it was good or bad? What was the unbiased process? And then it's like, okay, I didn't do this as well as I could have. I didn't do this as well as I could have. I probably got lazy here, you know, yeah. but that's where it's like, you have to, you have to be so accountable for some of that stuff that you're reading. Like proof of work is a huge accountability piece where it's like, yeah. there will always, there will always be an easier cop out. Like there will always be a shorter path or there will always be like, you know, some like get rich quick scheme like there's always gonna be like these things out there that are just noise and i think as a people like seriously like as a society we need to start embracing some of the like the proof of work uh mentality yeah. just because if you know once a lot of this financial stuff unravels i don't know if you notice like oil like gas prices stop dipping like just everybody wait uh, so there are things that are out. Lidocaine is starting to run out. Sriracha is out. Like there are, th there are random things that are starting to go out, you know, and once we get to the end of this, uh, extremely inflationary time and the time in which politicians are ignoring like the actual money basics, as well as the fed, like every, everybody that matters right now in terms of money is ignoring it. They're ignoring the process. They're ignoring the work that it takes to build the world's greatest economy. Um, which they think that we have and they think that we've had it for forever. And maybe we have, I don't know what like the U S economy and its strongest is like relative to like, you know, Roman its strongest. I don't know if it's even comparable or possible. Um, but <clears throat> I believe in what you said, because it's like, it doesn't matter what part of life you look at, there is a process and that's what proof of work is. Yeah. And 
there are ways to shortchange it, and that is kind of what that is what proof of stake is yeah. in this in this realm to keep it to keep it on brand here. And I do believe in that process, and that is largely, I mean, like the, I don't know about you, Nick, but like that proof of work mixed with blockchain technology, which Bitcoin takes advantage of, yeah. mixed with a lot of the stuff that we talked about with Dennis, the orphaned wells, like just the opportunity of turning something in the, something in the real world that can't be used, that needs to be monetized in some way in order to, you know, just make the world a more efficient place. Or if you really do believe in all the ESG stuff, then actually it does make the world a much environmentally friendly, more environmentally friendly place. Yeah. Cleans up the environment and incentivizes renewables. Yeah, I just don't know how I Realizes can rank. the energy grid. I don't know how I rank these things because proof of work, like, I think to you, proof of work is like you really like it's really important to you. It's really important to me as well. Sure. But there are so many things about Bitcoin. I don't know if I could rank them. But yes, I agree. This proof of work thing, people take it for granted how awesome proof of work is. And yeah. it's not just like the con- it's the concept of proof of work. And it's on top of the concept of proof of work. There's an actual incentives program to make it work like it, it all works together. Yeah. And. I mean, yes, I'd love to take a lot of like what Bitcoin has to my real life. I'm trying to, you yeah. know, but like I'm a little bit more biased than uh, <laughs> than like minor validating transactions, you know. But, uh, well, well, sticking sticking on the proof of work versus proof of stake. Yeah. Um, another another little section here in chapter one is the law of sowing and reaping. So uh, the Apostle Paul writes here in his letter to Galatians. This is in the New Testament, which is after the resurrection of Christ, which is big. Uh, But he writes here, it says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever a man sows, this he will also reap. That's Galatians 6, 9 or 6, 7. Sorry. And then a few pieces down, it says, as Paul states in his letters to the Galatians, the relationship between work and reward is fixed and immutable. Sowing and reaping is an ingrained principle in our world. Investment and its returns are a part of God's design. Making work an integral part of being human. You know, I think this is this is a really interesting concept, right? Because, you know, it, uh, I've been I've been listening to Change Your Paradigm, Change Your Life by Bob Proctor, and he's also got a really big piece on this work element. And he says that uh, we were work were, we were not made to work; work was made for us. And I think that that's that's kind of part of the idea of you know success is in. success is not a a, a thing or a place or a goal. Success is the continued, uh, the continued progress toward your self-actualization, right? If you think about Mavlov's hierarchy of needs, it's the, it's the continual progress toward what that is. And um, because, you know, it's, it seems like, uh, it seems like an innate human nature thing that once you, once you, peak this mountain then you realize there's another mountain that you want to peak right there's you you set this goal i mean how many goals have you and i just uh set in front of us and then we we crush that goal and then we're like oh wait there's more and then you go crush that next goal and then there's another one and it's it's almost like this exponential growth right think of think of bitcoin for example right look at the exponential uh charts of bitcoin and it shoots way up and you're like and everybody's like oh my gosh this is so incredible and then it crashes. And then, and then that's the goal, right? Now, now we've got to get back to that peak. And then we soar exponentially past that. And then it crashes. 
and then that's the new peak, right? This this is the very same uh, for for us in in life. And so you know, another another thing from the Bible too is finding uh, finding joy and satisfaction in your toil, which is your work. Um, this is proof of work, right? It's I, let me go earn, let me let me go sow, let me go plant this seed, so that at some point in due time I can reap a proper harvest for the work that I put in today. That's so interesting. And <clears throat> not to make it, not to modernize the whole thing, but Ethereum is merging. I allegedly, I mean, God, like they actually <laughs> have to do it. Right. Yeah. What is your take on that? As like, you know, I've been in this space a little longer than you. I, I shit coined and you didn't think good thing for you. Honestly, <laughs> good thing for you too, because of when you got in, that would have really hurt. Um, but also like, what is your opinion on this whole, like, I know what your opinion is, but like as an investor, you know, as somebody who like you're putting your money into Bitcoin, you're putting a large chunk of your investment money right now into Bitcoin. Um, are you so such a silly question for our podcast, but are you, are you buying any Ethereum? Oh, yeah, I'm no, no, God. Are you in threatened at all? Do you think that there's any validity there or is it like, you know, in my opinion, I think I, I really do think that they're just kind of like they're kind of like choking themselves out. Like they're kind of uh, what's bottlenecking themselves in a sense with this move. But I think they also maybe know that, you know, I think that maybe they're going to drop out, but what's your take on like some of this proof of stake, like Ethereum's merging, it just isn't it like, do you think the price is going to jump? Like, you think it's just going to go up just because it's merging or like, do you think people care? I don't know. Like, it's Yeah. I, okay. So uh, would you like to go like my general thoughts or like my personal thoughts first? Well, what's the difference? Okay, so personally, uh, I'd say personally, like for my own investment, my own thesis on what I would do or what I'm doing anyways. Um, you know, A, I'm not putting any money in anything else other than Bitcoin because I don't believe anything is what Bitcoin is. You, you have to invest for the fundamentals, right? And the fundamentals of Bitcoin's proof of work, along with everything else that we've talked about previously, um, are, are the core pieces, right? Um, you, you cannot steal and he, and he gets into that in, in more detail in there. We're obviously not going to get into all that detail, but you cannot steal the value from others because you are that you're stealing. That's, that's, uh, that's wrong by human nature. Uh, by natural law, you can be religious, not religious. And if somebody steals your shit, you're not going to be happy about it. Even if you're a communist, he mentions this in here, even if you're a communist and you don't believe in private property and somebody comes steals your shit, you're going to be upset about it. Right. So uh, the proof of stake stuff, uh, I think, is I think is getting to that. Right. I don't think that Ethereum is the exact same as the uh, the current monetary system that we've got today, uh, but it is a centrally controlled money. Um, it could be worse. I mean, theoretically, I mean, like for all could, we know, because be you worse, and I like you know? it's it, Ethereum is much more confusing than Bitcoin, even when you want to start studying it, which yeah. I have taken the time to look into it because it's it's out there. And it's yeah. like, we're this podcast, we're not like, we're not about just body slamming things that we haven't done at least a little work on, yeah. you know, but I've done the work and it's like, the hell is like, the what is this? It's like, yeah. how would this actually work as like a base layer money? Now, yeah. if they wanted to, if they wanted to keep it on the application aspect of it and like try and join like some side chain on lightning and, you know, kind of like boof it up from there, I would be like, hmm. Maybe, maybe it could, but yeah. like you're saying, like you can't like there's Bitcoin. Yeah. 
and then there's going to be everything Every, that follows everything it. Else. Everything yeah, else. like there's yeah. everything else. And currently yeah. everything else, there's nothing meaningful there that yeah. I found at least. Well, I think it's I think that this is probably the, the situation that we're going to see play out over not just with Ethereum merging uh, to proof of stake, but with, with everything else that's going to happen in this space over the next however many decades or years or whatever you want to look at, is that Bitcoin is ultimately the answer. Uh, at this point, with what we know, Bitcoin is the number one crypto for a reason. And so my, my thought is that all these other cryptos, this uh, Ethereum switch to proof of stake, all this stuff, all it does is create more noise and more, more uh, um, commotion for people to see. And that's going to lead more people into the crypto space in general, right, for the umbrella term. It's going to lead more people into crypto. And that means... That some people are going to make a ton of money. That means some people are going to lose a ton of money. And people are going to learn their lessons over time. And where does it ultimately end? It ends at what is the truth? What is the best thing? And what is that? It's Bitcoin. And so I, I think that I think that in the short term, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if, it, if Ethereum is going to go up or down. I don't know really what that is. But, um, but ultimately, more people in crypto are going to find what is the best, and that is Bitcoin. Yeah, I also <clears throat> I, I'm with you on that, obviously. But uh, my favorite storyline, actually, since I've been in Bitcoin now, is that they're going to try and take your Bitcoin like they're going to try. And they're not like, here's the thing about Bitcoin. They're not going to be able to take the Bitcoin like you think, like they're not going to be able to come try and tax you out of it. They're not going to become like <clears throat> they would literally have for most people who own Bitcoin to any degree. They would literally have to, at this point, rip 12 words out of your hands. Even people who aren't, like, putting podcasts up, people who just own it, they understand that. Like, they understand the only way that they lose their Bitcoin is if they lose their 12 words. That's it. Otherwise, you... You know how they're going to get it from people, right? Well, I think... I have a lot of theories, but what's your, what's your thought? Cause I got a thought too. I'd like to hear yours. <sighs> well, currently like one of my main theories is that I do think that some of these crypto projects, like they're letting it flourish. Like they're not regulating the space on purpose because they're still trying to figure out how they're going to, you know, manipulate Bitcoin as best they can as the dollar unwinds. Yeah. So a lot of this stuff, like the spot ETF not being approved, the regulation around securities, the, um, the allowing of like literally like Coinbase is now a publicly traded company and it isn't an illegal exchange. It is yep. illegal. It is not legal. Like nothing about Coinbase is legal. Nothing has ever been legal about it, but the United States government is slow to act. And I think it's mostly because it's like, they're going to try to find as many creative ways to like confis confiscate your Bitcoin as opposed to taking it because they understand like if you take it, that would just start. I mean, that will start a revolution. I think faster than literally anything, except maybe Trump being president again. Like, <laughs> I think. I think if they actually try to come for people's Bitcoin, because people understand that. Like, they would understand at that point what you're trying to do. If they were like, "Oh, this money is really bad. You can't own any of it." But guys, don't be fooled by some of that stuff too, because this is worrying me as I say it. The network of Bitcoin as an investment is more important than the money side. The money side will always be there. That's the great thing about Bitcoin. One Bitcoin is always one Bitcoin. We haven't even, we're 31 minutes in and I only said that once. So everybody be gracious. <laughs> but one Bitcoin will always equal one Bitcoin, which means as long as the network grows, there is nothing they can do. And I'm telling you right now, there are many, many companies like Visa, for example, which has the highest profit margin on the S&P 500 at 65% from what I've read. What 
what do you mean they're not going to take this huge infrastructure and just adopt Lightning and go, well, okay, now we just control the transaction fee, you know, more substantially. Maybe we don't have it at 3% because that's not competitive. But since we have the largest infrastructure, we'll just keep lowering it over time. They're going to make money. Like that's the thing about the Bitcoin network. It doesn't, it doesn't absolutely uproot the traditional system. It's very easily like kind of just switched over or interoperable. The thing that is going to be hard to switch over, in my opinion, is centralized platforms like Visa, like Twitter, like they're all centralized platforms. Those are going to be hard to get out of, but yeah. it's not going to be that hard for these centralized platforms to adopt the network to their benefit for a while because it will be to their benefit. I mean, it's to anybody's benefit. Because yeah. the dollar sucks. <laughs> I mean, like, there's not, can't get around that. But yeah. what's your favorite, like, kind of like storyline? Mine's always been that they're going to come for your Bitcoin. I mean, because they are. They're going to find creative ways to do it. They did it with gold. They're going to do it with Bitcoin. But Bitcoin's much different. You know, you know what I think really fascinates me. The more that I think about it, the more that um, the more that I learn about how all this stuff is kind of playing out, is I, I think it's really interesting how deceptive all this current financial system is um you know inflation is just is just the number one example right and and we're all hearing about that right now so i'm not going to beat a dead horse but um it's it's so deceptive and it's so little by little um you know kind of on the step of or or on the on the point of how are they going to steal your bitcoin how are they going to get your bitcoin how are they going to because they can't manipulate it so if they can't manipulate it, they got to get it. They got to get all of it so that they control the majority of it. Um, let's think of any uh, very similar to what happened with gold, right there too. And what you're absolutely, saying, that's right? what they did. They but, they but, centralized but think of, it. Think yeah. of uh, think of cults. Think of uh, think of inflation. Think of uh, any any effort by somebody to take control over people or over things. They don't do it all once at one big whack, right? They've got to slowly uh, in, introduce you to this idea, right? Think about inflation. If, if in 1913, when the Federal Reserve was created, they said, hey, you know what? Next year, we are going to devalue the currency by 2,800%. Everybody would freak out. So they can't do that, right? Because then they would lose all credibility and nobody would like them. So let's just do let's just do two or three percent every single year. And that's what leads to twenty eight hundred percent back in up to the numbers of twenty sixteen. Right. This happened with um, this happened with covid. Right. It was it was do this and then do that and then do this and then do that. And before we know it, we're all locked up and we're all wearing masks and we're all supposed to get shots. Man, it's um, even crazier, too, because it's like two or three percent, but nobody's allowed to validate it but us. Like nobody actually knows. Like the yeah. only way that we know is like we just get into the marketplace. But the world's so globalized, even it's exactly. like, OK, so like how so, do we really even know? And, and, <laughs> and how and how wild is it that the federal government, they, they look in the face of the American people and they say, you guys are so stupid that we're going to we're going to write we're going to write this policy and we're going to call it the Inflation Reduction Act that has nothing to do with reducing inflation it's actually deficit spending which means that they are spending money that we don't have creating money devaluing money that creates more inflation if you guys aren't aware um and and it's it's actually hilarious too they didn't even go through the traditional routes to get the bill passed it it went through a budget reconciliation meaning they they reallocated existing spending that was already spent into this other area, uh, which is, you know, uh, 89,000 new IRS agents, 
um, all this climate um, climate change investments and all this stuff. And how fun. And so that said, I don't know the inner workings. We're going to have to have Kyle on again to talk about the inner workings of that. But uh, the main point is that they did not have to go through the traditional avenues to get that bill approved. Now, another piece is that as soon as it got approved, they changed the fucking name of it. They didn't even leave it, the Inflation Reduction Act. They changed it to um, like the Environmental Investment something or whatever. And that's, that is so deceptive. So how are they going to steal your Bitcoin? They're not going to come steal it from you. They're not going to come knock on your door and say, give me your keys. We're taking your Bitcoin. They are going to find very strategic and, uh, and, and very deceptive ways to say, oh, pay, pay your taxes with Bitcoin and we'll drop your percentage off. That's them getting your Bitcoin. Hey, yes. buy this product with your Bitcoin, and you know, through some quasi-government agency, they're able to siphon off a little bit of Bitcoin at a time. And over now, look at this. Now, the government has done a great job of lowering their time preference because they don't do anything real quick. They do everything way long, right? They they are doing a great job of lowering their time preference, taking it on the chin today looking like idiots to people like us that have that are that are you know seeing what's going on and they're gonna they're gonna probably try to siphon off just a little bit of bitcoin from everybody over a long period of time until they've got the majority of the bitcoin and now they can control what's in and out of supply and even deeper than that you know this is an economics podcast so let's just look at this from a money perspective and let's not look at this as like Americans per se. Our policy is now bought and sold. It is not It is not legislated on. We are not like yeah. you can vote for who you want. And I, I think voting is important. Don't get me wrong. I do think voting is important, but I think it's manipulated. I think once that person gets, in, you know, they show up to D.C. for their first year. You know, I've you know, I've been in. I was an Ohio kid and then I was in a California locker room for a year. You couldn't recognize me the next year. Just because that's like what you're in and like you can't ask people that you vote for to basically go against all the powers that be every single day for however many years or how many ever many days and expect like a good result. You're just like wishfully thinking. So economically speaking, a lot of the legislation in America is bought. So if you think that the Inflation Reduction Act or whatever it is now going to be called the climate help the help the trees bill. (laughs) <laughs> as they never do anything to help the trees then you break it down and i looked at the pdf of it they're expecting to get more money from taxpayers and they claim that that's going to be a 15 percent tax on corporations but guys the corporations are the ones paying them to get this done because if you look even deeper in the bill there's kickbacks all over the place and this is just finding this is purely financial i don't care what side of the argument you're on we're yeah. getting we're getting goosed either way like as just people like we're all we're all losing monetarily if you feel like uh, your personal right or your like your personal belief is more important than somebody else's right, you know, then I guess you're we can just, have you on this podcast. Yeah, yeah, you're wrong because it's all <laughs> money based, right? Like we all go around. That's why this is goes back to why Bitcoin is so important, why money is so important, and it's all bought and sold. And we could go down that avenue forever. I was kind of going to go into like the world is so proof of stake because at the end of the day, there are gatekeepers on our legislation in all. All money has to do right now is find a way to break through a gatekeeper and they have control of this industry and they have control of that industry because America controls a a large part of the globalized financial system still. 
other countries are very clearly trying to unwind that right now and it's gonna suck because they're gonna uh, there's gonna be a lot of crashes there's gonna be a lot of blood there's gonna be a lot of shit um in europe in asia all over the world in america i mean it's gonna be everywhere but as they try to unwind it they're realizing they're getting out of something because we've basically hoodwinked everybody for so long like we don't produce we don't do anything but kind of just play financial games with people and then we get everything it's been yeah. very uh it's been very pro-america in well the world. Th- think about okay so i i gotta dive back in here again to uh thank god for bitcoin for for um to, to think about like the role of money again here right so a lot of people don't understand money um haven't haven't read much about what the role of money is so there's another section in here it's titled the role of money and i gotta read this quick little segment in here um and then we've got it we've got to talk about the concept of it so the role of money uh the uh, the scripture for this one says for where you, your treasure is there your heart will be also it's matthew six twenty one, and then a couple of paragraphs down it says the way we use money demonstrates what we believe to be real, good, right, and important. When we spend money on something, we are in effect stating, I need this and it is useful to me. The way we spend money reveals what we love and what we fear. Money, in other words, expresses the values of the spender. Now, now I was thinking about this. Okay, what do we, how, how many, how many decisions you think we make? How many things do you think we do every single day that all revolve around money? Uh, kind of everything, right? We, why do we go to work? Because we have to earn money to consume today so that we can live. Why do we, um, why do we uh, buy gas so that we can uh, put, put gas in our car and so that we can go to work or so that we can go do something that is fun. And how do we do all of that stuff? Well, we use the most readily available uh, commodity or thing or uh, product in the market to exchange the value that we've created in with our time, with our time, with our work, so that we can exchange that for other things that he states here are um, useful to me and things that I need. Right. So think about this: like uh, how how valuable is your home? How valuable is your car? How valuable is the food that you're going to eat or the bed that you're going to sleep in tonight? Uh, fill in the blank, right? You don't, you don't have those things unless you have money and you don't have money unless you either immorally steal or if you morally work and earn that money. So, so then again, you got to go, you got to keep asking this question. What is money? Why? Why, why? What is money? Money is not just dollars in your pocket. It's not just, uh, it's not just digital numbers in your bank account. Money is the t- it represents the time and the work that you've put in producing in the market. Whether that's, whether that's I'm right out of college and I've got some kind of like, you know, paper, you know, pushing and, and moving information around type of bullshit job or some data entry job, or you're at the very top of the rung and you're running a really successful company and you're providing tons of service to people in the market. You know, again, to reference Change Your Paradigm, Change Your Life by Bob Proctor, he talks about you don't go to work, you don't work to earn money. You provide service to earn money. And he he talks about, you know, for the example of himself, um, he he says that, you know, he's created all these different programs, he's written books, and the service that those books and those programs provide to other people give him money. They, they have allowed him to earn money, 
we make this podcast. We don't really make any money off of it, really. I mean, we make like, you know, a couple of yeah. cents. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we make a couple of cents, but this podcast is providing a service to the people that listen to it. They have entertainment. Maybe they're, maybe it's people that just watch us think that we're idiots and they get entertainment from that. Maybe people watch us and they think, wow, these guys are really sharp. We like listening to this content. Who, what, whatever it is, right? Uh, it's about providing service to earn. To earn is the key word, not to steal, but to earn the money that you need to consume today. And, uh, and, and I think that that is, uh, that is a really interesting concept. But then, you know, extrapolating that out a little bit further, think about the products that you buy, the services that you buy. Do you pay for somebody to mow your lawn? Do you own a home? Do you rent, do you rent a, an apartment? Do you own a car? Do you own any, do you, do you have a TV? You know, what kind of food are you going to eat tonight? You, you buy those things because they have value, right? They've got value. And what are you exchanging for those things that you say have value? Money, right? Money is a valuable thing because it represents the time and the work that you're expending to earn that money. Now, here's, here's the kicker, right? Here's the kicker. What if I said, hey, you know what? Um, your time is worth uh, $50 an hour today, uh, but, but next year it's only going to be worth $45 an hour. How, what does that incentivize you to do? That incentivizes you to probably work as much as you can today. And with the money that you do earn, you probably want to put it somewhere where it's going to store that value, right? And this is the fundamental issue with the dollar system that we operate under today, right? We referenced inflation. Inflation is none other than the central authority, right? The Federal Reserve, the federal government, stealing your purchasing power over time. You're stealing your money over time. And again, what is your money? It is representation of the time and the work that you expend producing and serving in the markets. This is not, this is not good for humanity. We've got to have sound money. We've got to have money that actually stores value because I, I, would, I would assume that we could all say that our time is valuable, that the work that we put in is valuable. Would you go out and just work for free? Would you go out and just like just donate your work for free? Maybe if it was something that you loved to do, right? And that's a great thing. But if it's not something that you love to do, Griff, if you didn't need any money, would you be doing what you're doing right now? If I didn't need money? Yeah, if you didn't need money. Am I still 25 years old and just starting out? Yeah, yeah. I'd probably still, I mean, personally, yes, I'd still work. Would I do be doing exactly what I'm doing right now? I mean, no, obviously not, because I, I would have gone out of school. It would be different. Just 95% of people, if everything was taken care of. Now, I know that obviously that logic does not work, right? We know that that, that communistic logic does not work. Um, but assume that it did. I bet 95% of the people, probably even more, would not continue doing what they're doing if they had everything that they needed. Uh, taken care of i bet well, they because, would do something because it would different. go from work or it would go from life to assignment like you just be assigned everything and assignment doesn't work for humans and that's what I, the only thing i wanted to add what nick was saying because all that was so awesome is like money and economics are so natural they're as old as it gets they're as yeah. natural as it gets there's like if you if you've ever experienced love in your life i have a fiance love sierra never experienced anything like my life i've talked to tons of girls in my life Boom there, Sierra. I was like, wow. Love. Like, you know, like that's what real love is. It, it, and you, 
yeah, you have to like really, you have to be very open to ex- understand and express that. Love's a very hard feeling for people to actually understand. Not everybody experiences the same kind of love because they're not even willing to be as open about it, right? But money, like in the way that your mind works, you have to accept, like, you have to be very open minded about what money is. Because if you look at history, it always changes. Right now, money doesn't even matter. Like, I was having this discussion with somebody yesterday, and they were like, because they're, you know, I'm not very heavy in a 401k right now. This is not financial advice, but my thesis is stack bread. If you have any high interest debt, pay that down very aggressively until it's gone yeah. and stack Bitcoin until yeah. until everything appears to be like all this shakes out. Because, you know, the only point in starting a 401k is, you know, it's a long tail investment and you really just I only want to be putting my money into it if I feel like, you know, in 40, 50 years, there's going to be more value there. But I was talking to somebody about it. They're like, dude, just 401k. I'm like, okay, well, like with your philosophy, because you're basically just saying that it's just going to go up, like the S&P just goes up and it's just going to keep going up and we're not living in a different time. You're just going to ignore everything that I'm saying. Then why haven't you just arbitraged and bought as much real estate as humanly possible in the last 12 years? Yeah. Same concept as buying a 401k, just much, much faster and much bigger on a much larger scale. Same concept. I mean, it's the same thing. You're basically just banking on things to continue to go up. And so it's like, to my point, money is as natural as love, is as natural as our, like creation of fire. Like we compare it to the wrong things, like what money is. It's very villain. It's very demonized. It's so odd. I wonder when that really started. I think I think it kind of started like I do know like back when the Roman Catholic Church was very uh, you know when they were doing good things because a lot of people don't like the Catholic Church anymore, but. Nobody knows like some of the history behind it in a sense that like the Catholic Church was mostly the reason that like bestiality stopped and pedophilia largely got smaller and smaller and smaller. Obviously, it still maybe seems like it's quite a bit of a problem, but the Catholic Church Epstein, like, originally Epstein didn't kill himself. Yeah, no, we definitely <laughs> need to say that on this podcast. Put, put but, the, uh, the, foil the Catholic Church, the Catholic Church did that right. And you want to know what a problem was? It was usury. And usury is just interest rates. It's just banks that produce interest rates. And Jews would always get kicked out of every little city they lived in because they would start central banks. And interest rates were against uh, the church at that time. I think it's actually like in the Bible, like usury is not good. I'm not sure, though. I was I was literally so uh, he uses that term in this chapter and I was trying to find it. Um, where he kind of talked, he talked about usury. And but it, it I, is interesting, it was, though, right? Like that, even in the, even at that level, at a very pure level, which is religious, because I don't care what anybody thinks in this world. I don't care what your religion is. If you truly believe in something, that's a pretty powerful thing. Like if you believe in what's going on, that that in and of itself is powerful. Is very powerful. Yeah. And the fact that there was a very large group of very devout Christians that are like, yeah, interest rates are bad credit is bad no 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 we don't want that that would be no good it's always bad and the fact that you just like look up and you go like oh i can get a 30-year loan for a house that's like and that's what society that's what society deems to be good they're like oh you oh you don't own a house oh what's wrong with you but uh at the same time that's like the opportunity that is what money is so if you don't take what money like for what money is you will always struggle in in this world because if this was a hard money standard your life would have to adjust in a fiat standard in this u.s dollar standard you have to treat money like that they are treating it and they're treating it like a 10 cent hooker 
So you have to treat the dollars like a 10 cent hooker. You have to look at it like this is not what's worth anything. What's worth stuff is the stuff that you can get with this. That's still worth stuff. But this stuff, this dollar stuff, guys, it's not worth anything. And I think that's only going to hold true now that like I think like the hyperinflation event. Again, we need to put the disclaimer on these podcasts. This is not financial advice. This is not a doomsday podcast. But it sure as hell seems like hyperinflation is imminent for the U.S. dollar. It sure as hell seems like they're not paying attention. It sure as hell seems like they just ran up oil reserves and the oil prices stopped going down. It sure as hell seems like everything that matters in terms of food, eggs, bread, is still going up at crazy rates month over, not year over year, month over month. They're yeah, going yeah. up pretty crazy. And, you know, in America, we just don't see it because they're so good at stagflation. They're like these companies are so good at making a transition from butter to margarine. They're so good at convincing you that, oh, cholesterol is now bad, uh, but do all this sugar and trans fats and preservatives. That's fine. Like they're so good at lying to you and changing it just so that like it's the little by little, money, little by little, little by little. And they villainize money. I mean, they've demonized. They have. They have demonized what money is. And at, you know, you just have to realize that for what it is. I feel like that actually does help me be extra. I mean, like it's helped me, you know, at a young age to be pretty successful so far. And I think most of it is because I have a very real perspective on what money is today. And if you know what money is, you kind of understand the history how people are going to act. You understand like what is what's going to happen in society because we're not guys. We're not the first ones that have tried paper money. We're not the first ones that have tried to print away our problems. We're not the first, like we all have to, at some level, if we want to get to Mars or we want to build these super cities, or we want to, you know, like in my fantasy football league, Nick, I want these guys to commit league dues every year. Why do I want them to commit league dues? Like pay $400 a year, just up front to pay for everything. Like we would, you would still pay $400 to be in our league like to go to the trip or to do this or to do that, but to budget it, right. To have a plan so that we can make more use of our money. So it can just go better, go smoother. We have, and nobody really wants to do it. And I tell these guys, and I think this is very similar to what I'm saying now. If at a certain level, we don't all work together and the money that we're using is actually dividing us and not bringing us together. It's all I know is that it's not going to be good. Like all I know, mm-hmm. all I know is I don't want more. I don't want more of that. I don't have to be a genius to tell you like what peer-to-peer network is going to take over in in 2042. I, I don't know. I don't know what browser is going to work out. I don't know what node network is going to have the most users and the most transactions. I don't know if Strike is going to be the biggest lightning exchange in the world. I don't even know if lightning is going to be the second layer to what Bitcoin is. I technically don't even know if Bitcoin is going to be uh, what it is, but you want to know why I believe in it? Mostly because one Bitcoin is one Bitcoin is the only thing that doesn't change in this world. Well, this is this is uh, this is why you believe here. Listen to this little piece. It says a sound money system also allows us to save. We can sacrifice our time today for money that can be redeemed for something of similar value tomorrow. Money allows us to save for the future, working more during good times to save for earnings or to save our earnings for the bad times to come. When an entire community does this, money helps create security and safety for its people. Boom. Beautiful. Yeah. I mean, I think this has turned into a great podcast about just kind of talking about why Bitcoin is so important, why we've enjoyed Bitcoin so much, how it's changed our perspective. 
Um, obviously, like me and Nick haven't gotten rich yet, huh? But we've learned a lot. I mean, we've learned so much that if Bitcoin went to zero tomorrow, I would still not really be that unhappy with my investment because of how much I've learned. And it would really help me in the long run. Do I think that's what's going to happen? Again, not financial advice, but obviously, hell no. I obviously think that I'm at the sound money first. I have my 12 words. I have my UTXOs. The new world will not be able to be built without me because I'm one of those Bitcoiners that in 2100, I may have collateralized my Bitcoin at once or part of it to buy something, but I did not sell my layer one Bitcoin. But I'll leave everybody with that today. Absolutely. If if it goes to zero, I will buy all 21 million and I will be happy. (laughs) Okay. Absolutely. Man, that was a good episode. I agree with you. Um, thank you guys for listening to another episode of the Nick and Griff show. Come check us out on Twitter at Nick and Griff show. Um, if you're not watching, if you're only listening, come watch, you can watch on Spotify and on YouTube. Um, go check us out there. We also post clips from our episodes on Twitter. Um, every once in a while they go up on YouTube, your boy's busy. So sometimes he doesn't always get the clips up, but Um, Thank you guys for listening to another episode of the Nick and Griff Show, and we will see you guys next time. Peace.